Welcome to another episode of First Date with me as your host, Lauren Compton. Find out what it's like to date the person in the hot seat. As long as they have good feet. That's a red flag. My guest is Danny Brown, Tom Segura. I'll split your ham for a night. Do you get jealous easily? How do you feel about open relationships? Do you have a sex playlist? Just put on like some Bjork. That's a good one. And she goes, I was offering myself to you. And I was like, what? New episodes every Tuesday. Rate, comment, and subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts. This week on Dr. Drew After Dark, I feel I'm very self-aware. Sorry, buddy, that is not the case. Uh, That's not an issue, Drew. Why why are you bringing... Just saying. What's that, Chad? Yeah, you do want someone to keep behind tight. Mommy. There's a mommy. That's a mommy. Nailed it. I got it. Team chat all the way. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. What's your, what's your question, man? <laughs> Welcome to Dr. Drew After Dark. Please be advised that Dr. Drew After Dark may contain sexually oriented content and be unsuitable for young children. Hey, anyway, welcome to Dr. After Dark. Phone number is 818-253-1693. And of course, our emails are coming in at drdrafterdark at gmail.com. I got a ton to get into today. Uh, and so we are sort of doing a solo show with the Booth Boys because a lot of stuff. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yo, let's get it. Not the least of which is uh, Nadal wants to give me some medical medical um, advice, which I think is hysterical, but, yeah, but appropriate, but but hold on. Okay. I, want to, I want to take a call before we do that. We'll go right to a call. I'm going to save it, as we say. I've got a lot, I, there's a lot of interesting stuff I want to get to. So here we go. Uh, this is, I think, Bree from Maryland. Is it Bree, correct? Yes. All right, Bree, tell us what's up. Hi. Um, so I'm a T12 paraplegic, um, incomplete due to an accident about five years ago. What happened? And I've gotten some feelings. Um, I was in a car accident. I was drinking and driving, um, but it got me in recovery, so I'm in recovery now. Cool. Congratulations. um, Thank you. Um, But my question was, so I don't have much feeling um, down there, and when I masturbate, I really don't get into it. I can't get into it. Sometimes it just doesn't work at all, Mm. but when I have sex with my fiancé, um, I definitely get more, and I definitely feel like he, you know, intellectually stimulates me and stuff. My question is, is if I had more sex, would that bring back more feelings? Well, really interesting, but I'm just, I just, something caught my ear that you just said that he is intellectually stimulating during sex. Is he talking about uh, Einstein's uh, general special, special relativity or what, what is he, you mean, you mean emotionally you're stimulated during sex. Is that what you mean? Yeah, emotionally, intellectually, all that. Like, yeah. she just does it all. Intellectually, me, she so keeps going there. It's very interesting. Okay, so uh, great that you can have that. And and I think you probably know that you're you're a high up and, you know, you're above the lumbar spine, right? And most paraplegics are down in, the, in and around the lumbar spine. And what people can experience sexually is sort of all over the place, right? I'm sure, have you talked to other paraplegics? Yes. And And what have you found? Um, so typically they'll say that they, you know, that it ranges, um, you know, they have different stimulation areas. Mm -hmm. Um, mine are my breasts and Mm. like my neck. Mm. Um, but you know, some are their feet, some of their, you know, is other areas, but, um, it's really just 
a lot of different answers to where I feel right. like I can't really relate to. That's right. It's it's a lot of different biology. Some of them have full response, but maybe it doesn't feel like it used to, but they still have orgasms, and they, it's all over the place. Now, uh, in the question here on my screen, it says, is there anything we can do for you? Uh, a, I'm not sure we need to do anything for you because you're able to, you know, a, a lot of women don't find great satisfaction in masturbation. Were you, were you satisfied with masturbation before the accident? No, not really. Yeah. So you're sort of one of those people that was not, not that there was not a drive for that so much. And you're still having a good sexual relationship with your boyfriend or your fiance that you love, love and it's good. I mean... It almost doesn't get better than that, but I will just say that I've ser I've seen situations, I've heard of situations, actually I think I've seen one, where they put spinal stimulators in to help, they literally slip this sort of thing up the lumbar spine uh, and adjust it to give stimulation that will cause arousal and orgasm. So that's something I've seen. Has anybody you know or any, heard anything about that? Um, I have heard some of it, but I haven't really investigated. I, I, let's say I'm not a fan. Uh, I, I, at one point, there were people really pushing it, and I was always kind of skeptical, and, and it's kind of rolled back since those days. But you know, when you have a paraplegia of various sorts, uh, that, that certainly is, might be a situation where you take those kinds of risks. Do you have any, anything going on otherwise? No skin breakdown, no UTIs, and none of this, that kind of stuff? No, I'm pretty active, um, so I don't. I haven't had any troubles with them. I mean, I have a bunch of UTIs, but I take uh, antibiotics every day right. now. Take so nitrofurantoin. No, uh, nitrobid. Uh, yes. Nitrobid. Yeah. So interesting. You're. You, listen, the great news is you seem like your attitude is great about it, and you seem to be sort of thriving. So that's amazing. And you're in recovery. Yeah. No. I, yeah. No. It saved my life. It got me into a a field that I didn't expect to be in. So I'm, I'm pretty grateful. A field meaning recovery or are you, or in terms of your work? Um, I do. Well, yeah, both recovery and work. I work with the disabled as well. So oh. um, I do peer support in both realms. Fabulous. Oh my goodness. Well, good for you. That that's, that's what I call thriving, you know, and, and I'm sure yeah, exactly. as, as a, how long have you been in recovery now? Uh, I've been four years. Oh, okay, so you're really in. And, and that, that experience of the one-on-one -on -one helping one person with a skill that you have and a wisdom and, a, and an insight, it, I mean, it just doesn't get better than that, does it? No, not at all. It's really fulfilling. Okay. All right, Bree, thank you for calling. That's a great, great question. Yeah, thank you. Okay, you got it. See, I want to get right to her. It's kind of interesting, right? Oh, yeah. Put, put my medical stuff aside. <laughs> but Dr. Nadav, what is going on? As we were walking in here, Nadav's like railing on me, like, you need to do this. You shouldn't put up with that. Blah, 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 blah. And then I thought, save it for the show. You, you actually said save it for the show, which I agree. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, every time like I see you, I feel like you're like, Oh, my diverticulitis, it's hitting me. I don't know if I could go much longer. <laughs> if that's how I sound, I'm not going to have any kind of corrective surgery for it. I'm just going to kill myself. <laughs> so, so I'm hoping that's not the situation. But, but I got to tell you, so this thing was flaring up a lot last year, mm -hmm. about the time I was going to the desert. And tell me I, more about what those flare-ups look like for you. Oh, they're awful. I, I get pain. I get mm -hmm. first night, no sleep, pain fatigue, 
uh, weird sweats and you know weird hot cold kind of stuff and aches. Everything aches. Everything's weak. Right, like your body feels feverish, but like you don't like you don't have a head cold type of thing. No, like it's you, it's a, well because there's a deep seated infection. Your body's trying to fight it off, so of course mm. your body temperature goes all over the place. Mm. And then the next day, which is today, uh, it's washed out. Just washed out. And then usually it's like three days of shit. What do you mean by washed out? Like weak? You'll watch me. The other thing I've noticed, a new symptom that I noticed that a friend of mine called out. He goes, I don't think you're getting enough sleep. I go, why? He goes... Whenever you have word finding difficulty, like you no, watch me. Occasionally, I'll really have, I'll really struggle with words. Ah, and that's that's a that's, it's a chronic thing. That's I, par for the course I, for you. I, I know it's chronic, but it gets <laughs> it gets noticeable when I've either not slept or have diverticulitis. So mm. that, that's you'll you'll see that happen today probably. And um, and I've been to multiple surgeons. I went last year, and they all were like, "Don't do it! Don't do it! Twenty percent failure rate. It's going to be a disaster." Get, let's try all these other things, and we and they worked. And I got it under control for a year, mm. and now I'm having one. And I, I'd like to see if this one is shorter than some of the previous ones, and if right. I can really get under control. Because you were telling me about how how your episodes last, and I mean back when back when I had diverticulitis, it would the, usually review what happened to you because people may not remember. Sure, yeah. So back when I was in my early 20s... Which uh, is, by the way, unheard of to have diverticulitis in your 20s. Yeah, all the doctors said that. That's why it took so long to diagnose it, because they're like, there's no way that it's this. Um, But essentially what happened was I would... What you were describing, I'd feel fatigue, body aches, all of that. Like, I couldn't get out of bed so weird. for maybe, like, 24 hours, 48 hours, and then I would snap right back to it. Yep. And at first it would happen once every couple months, then once every month, and, like, the windows would just get shorter and shorter yep. to eventually where that was just my baseline. You were just always shitty. Yeah. Yep. It just always felt bad. And so then eventually— well, I was like that a year ago. I was getting there. I, I think that also contributed to my uh, catastrophe in the desert. I think that's why I fell apart so fast. Right. I, I thought I was under control, but maybe I was wasn't. But you were also saying that it takes you like two weeks to go from when the symptoms start to, to normal, when you're to back normal. to normal, which yeah. is wild. No, like, you don't like that too long? Well, no, because well, but I'm, back when I'm, I was, I mean, granted, I was younger when it happened to me, but like it took, like with, if it happened on a Monday, I'd be back at work by like Wednesday. Mm. Oh, I'm back. At, look, here I am at work today. And yeah, I, but and you're I, a stud and you just power through pain. I power through everything. And, and <laughs> not because I'm a stud, because I have always, something's wrong with me, I think. I just power through everything. Can't confirm. Um, yeah. Uh, but, but uh, you know, it comes from, I'm telling you, it comes from my medical training. I used to power through, eh, oh my God. I would just, I would not sleep. I would just power, power, power day in and day out and day in and out. So that, that training is still back in me. Right. But, uh, I'm 85, 90% after three days. The two weeks is I don't really even notice it until the two weeks are over and I look back and go, oh, oh yeah, I was a little kind of not right. So, so it's that kind of thing. So like I hear... Here we I, go. I'm, I hear, I'm, 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 I'm hearing you say, <laughs> have you ever thought about... <laughs> no, this, we're going from surgeon Nadav to therapist Nadav. <laughs> so let's go. Let's do this. Internist Nadav. Because um, I remember, because you were saying that, you know, up until right now, you didn't have an episode for about a year. Yeah. But before that, you had four episodes in a year. Yeah, but that was before I got I started doing some things to get it under control. Sure, at, at the advice of a surgeon. But then that's eight weeks where you were out of commission back then. Right. Oh, if it was like that, still, I, if 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 what the surgeon had told me to do didn't work, I go to surgery, hundred percent. But now, it here's worked. Here's my question: Why are you talking to a surgeon when you should be talking to someone who isn't a surgeon? Like maybe like a medical doc, like a GI. Like I, a GI. I, I do. I I also talk to a medical doctor. Uh, but but the surgery, it was getting so ridiculous, surgery was in my future. As far, I came back from the desert, and I went, 
F this, I'm getting this taken care right. of. Because I'd been in the hospital and all this stuff with the desert and, and, and wherever I was, Syria, <laughs> Jordan. <laughs> yeah, great hospitals over there. I think, right? <laughs> well, I just, just I'll review with people that I had to manage my own IV fluids. That, that's how great <laughs> things were. Um, thank God I knew how to do that. Uh, but they, they were so clear, and the internist I'm working with reinforced mm-hmm. everything. And so, you know, here we go. In fact, I've seen two surgeons and both said, see two GI doctors and see what they say. I've seen, I get colonoscopies every year, every Uh year. And the the GI guys just slap me on antibiotics for two weeks. And that's another problem. Right. Because I feel like shit. One of the medicines you have to take is called flagell. And that medicine, I'm always surprised. That's one. I think I've taken that. I'm sure. And it's one surprise for me every time I have time to recognize how shitty flagell makes me feel. It just that makes me depressed and, and screws up my I don't know I can't sleep or something it's just it's just like hard to put my finger so on. So tell me what's your holdup with because uh, you've had colonoscopy so you know how much of your tract has died. Why didn't I get the MRI? Is what you're asking? You which didn't I, get an MRI, which I was set up so to you're do. Just winging it. You're I was just set like, up I'm to do. Fine. Correct. Oh my god. Do- listen, doctors make bad patients. Dr. Drew makes horrible patients. <laughs> well, so, lucky for you, I, so, uh, I have an open enrollment. Dr. Right Nadav is on the scene. <laughs> because what happened What happened with me was uh, they were like, look, this is either something that you're going to have to deal with for your entire life, yeah, or, we, or we could just cut out, because they did the MRI, and they're like, there's just a 10-centimeter track. I understand. I, listen, if this... And if, then it's just not a problem anymore. I don't have diverticulitis. Well, if it, the, the, the reason... I don't think you quite are listening to me, because the, <laughs> the reason they told me not to do it is a twenty up to a twenty percent dehiscence rate, meaning that they take it out, put it back together. One out of five times, it falls apart, and that's a big deal. Mm. Now you're into major surgery, colostomy bags, all you know, long multiple surgeries, and I did. They were all like, "Yeah, you know, do you really want to go down that path?" It's only if you have to. Let me answer that question for you. Yes. No, dude. You need to do it, man. Oh my god! Because otherwise, like it's hindering your your quality of life. If if it comes back again this year, or if this one goes on for a long time, hundred percent. Okay, hundred percent. That's all right. I'm I'll hold you, you to that. that. All right, all right. Um, you, you know, we're gonna have to do another. Uh, <laughs> we'll do a follow up. Well, that follow up. I'll give you a colonoscopy. Oh Jesus! That that's uh, <laughs> that Say scares yes. the hell out of me. <laughs> uh, what do we got there, Nick? What's going on? Nick. Hey, Dr. Drew, how are you doing? Good, how are you, man? Good, good. Can't complain. Um, hey, Twitch Boys, by the way, too. Hey, what's <laughs> well, uh, It's uh, Zolo, <laughs> Zolo, Chad, and Nadav. Uh, Any is MIA, but it was planned, I think. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, right on, yeah. Uh, yeah. Team Chad all the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, what's your, what's your question, man? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I, so a year ago, I had, uh, I, it was ended up in diagnostic general anxiety disorder mm. and it, it sucked. <laughs> it's the best travel way to want you to put it. Um, I mean, it was, I, I felt depersonalization. I felt like I was existing outside of my own body all the time. Um, I wasn't able to sleep at night. I mean, I felt like I, every moment I was falling asleep, my heart was going to stop. Yeah, um, yeah. I've experienced it one other time in my life. And so one of the big things I wanted to ask you, Dr. Drew, yeah. I know that you talk about uh, in the past you've gone through that, and I wanted to see how you dealt with it, um, what was kind of the thing that brought you out of that, and uh, yeah. what you do to prevent it, because it's one thing that I'm really concerned 
So this future. this happened a year ago. How old were you then? Uh, I was 29 at the time. Okay. And you must have, you, this stuff usually comes on 18 to 22, so you must have had some stuff a little earlier too, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, at the time that I had my first bout of anxiety, it was, it was uh, smoking weed a lot. I backed off that, and I do just a little bit now, but at the time I was definitely doing a lot. Of yeah. And so that might have contributed to it. Right. And, well, I, I think it doesn't contribute to generalized anxiety, although you can have some when you come off it and stuff. I think in some people it contributes, okay. it, I tell you what, it contributes to panic. And you're describing anxiety okay. with, with panic, which is the really miserable part okay. of a generalized anxiety disorder, right? When you depersonalize, <laughs> you're in a state. You're like an absolute, you know, panic-stricken, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah. So when I first had my attack, I had my first uh, uh, panic attack. I was 19. I look back now, and, I, and, I can't, and I've seen so many people with panic related to cannabis use. I always think, God, I wonder. I was, I was smoking a little bit of weed at that time. I lived on a floor with guys that were total stoners. Hell yeah. And they, and, they kept, and they kept going to me like, you're not doing it right. You need to do more. You need all that bullshit. I think they're onto something. And they were not. And then I started getting panic. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I, now in retrospect, I thought, gosh, I wonder if that's why the panic opened up. But, there is, but my mother had some panic, so it's sort of in our genetics. So whatever. It, it is what it is. It happened. And I had derealization, depersonalization too, which is incredibly uncomfortable. Where for me, mm -hmm. I, I felt like I was melting away, and when I when I ceased to exist, I was looking sort of down a tunnel at the room, and the room didn't look real either, right? Mm -hmm. Sounds oh, hundred oh, percent. Yeah, I'm with two kids. It, 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 it was it, I had two kids. We have two kids, and yeah. it, it freaked me out. It was like I I couldn't feel like I was present with them. Yeah. So for me, it 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 meant I was really depressed. It turned out at the time, I wasn't aware of it, but I, there was a significant depression. And it really was about getting my life in order and doing the things I wanted to do and getting squared with the pre-med stuff and getting a good group of friends. I mean, doing all the things, you know, eating right, exercising, sleeping right, all those good things. And it kind of settled. The panic at least went away. Um, and the panic recurred once, like my first year of medical school, and I sort of went with it. It didn't bother me that much. And then that was the end of it. So panic is kind of a behavior you can kind of learn to deal with. It's, it's almost a, you know, when people um, work with anxiety and panic, they do uh, exposure therapy. They, they expose you to situations that evoke these things in ways that are tolerable. That's one treatment to get for this. And I would urge you to get treatment with somebody that does anxiety disorders because this thing is so miserable. I remember when I was like... Uh, I, don't know, I was about forty. I had a I had a hernia repair, and I went. I was given Versed, which is a it's, it's a Valium like drug. As I was being wheeled into the operating room, and I remember looking at the ceiling, going, "Oh my God, this must be what it feels like to be awake and not anxious." <laughs> I've never felt this before. <laughs> this is extraordinary. <laughs> so it was very wild, <laughs> but it was very vivid too. I'll not forget it. So so okay. So you can do exposure therapy. For me, uh, I leaned into the panic. I learned how to manage it. I got my life in order, but I still had generalized anxiety. I still was, we, you know, Nadav was giving me shit a few minutes ago about how I barrel through stuff. Some of that is OCD-related <laughs> anxiety, right? Do you have OCD stuff also a little bit? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. And again, that's an asset. You know, as long as you don't get out of control, it helps you be a really, you know, careful, you know, thorough professional if that's what you're doing. Whatever you're doing, you'll, you'll do it just so. 
though you have to kind of watch out for perfectionism and all that stuff that goes along with the anxiety and the OCD. And if you don't do exposure therapy, I'll tell you what I did. <clears throat> and this might, you might find this interesting. I did something called emotionally focused therapy. So it was deep interpersonal psychotherapy. Took a while. <laughs> it took a minute to really have an effect on my anxiety. Mm -hmm. But the anxiety kind of went away. And one of the most powerful experiences I had in that therapeutic setting was the ability to step into those spots that in retrospect were connected to the panic. So, so what, what happens is if I had a certain amount of trauma growing up and it leaves something called trauma associated dead spots behind. Okay. And your brain does not like dead spots. Your brain will f fight like hell to get away from them. And if for whatever reason you're going near it, the panic will ensue. So I was so connected to my therapist, I got to the point where I could fall into these dead spots. And in those dead spots, it was really kind of extraordinary. Time kind of constricted and expanded. And you know, it was a very odd place to be. But I found I could go into them more and more sort of willfully, and they just sort of disappeared. I became more and more able to tolerate them, and they just kind of went away. And when they went away, my anxiety went away. So isn't that interesting? Yeah, no kidding. That is, that's wild. That's uh, <laughs> that's actually super helpful. And what was that therapy called one more time? Well, the one I did was EFT, or emotionally. I think it generally goes under the heading of emotionally focused therapy or deep interpersonal psychotherapy. <clears throat> it's a deeper kind of therapy. Excuse me. <clears throat> but uh, technically, what what is evidence based for anxiety and panic is exposure therapy. So that that can sometimes get you more quickly over the symptoms, okay? Got it? Yeah, no, that is absolutely phenomenal. Thank you very All much. Right. I bet. That's uh, it's no fun. Any of you guys have anxiety disorders? I mean, I have a lot of anxiety, but yeah. I don't think it's a diagnosed disorder. Anybody else? I had a depression that kind of brought on some anxiety. Yeah, I, I get, I get it. Kind of, it's that in that state, it's kind of called an agitated depression, and that's kind of what I had too when I was a kid. Were you, were you young? Were you like teenager kind of thing or young adult? I think it started when I was a teenager, but I mean, I've kind of dealt with it most of my life up until a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, getting you know more focused on. Getting my life in order is kind of what helped, you know, like yeah, me, exercise and, that, and yeah. meditation and all that kind of stuff. It, it was a big issue for me because I, I, and this is something, oh, this is kind of interesting, guys. So for me, you know, what we're calling getting my life, getting our life in order included doing things, you know, training for things or pursuing careers that helped define identity, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like we've let go of the idea that people need to develop their identity across a lifespan, particularly young adulthood, um, that you are, you know, think about when you're 15, you barely know who you are, and sort of the big goal of development is to have a clearer sense of self and then self in the world. I feel like we've sort of created a situation in the sort of popular culture where identity is anything you declare it to be. And right. that is not, that's the opposite of how we used to work. And I don't know... You know, far be it from me to say that, that this is wrong. Maybe it's going to end up better. But we it was the opposite of how we used to work, which was, hey, you're fluid. Your identity is not here. And I'm not taking aim at any particular identity, whether it's what you're doing at school or in, in the world or as a profession. The, the more fluid it was and the less sort of um, stable and sort of a clear sense of yourself, the more we worried about it, the more we worked on people. So I don't know. 
So, uh, so let me get to some uh, some emails here. Uh, this is Pete, 35. Uh, I do social work therapy specifically around substance abuse because of, he says, you're part of the reason for that. So I'm going to pick your brain about getting a therapist. Since I'm educated in therapy and evidence-based practices, whenever I talk to a therapist for myself, I completely withdraw when I hear and feel the clinical talk. It makes me feel like a client. You are a client when you go in as a therapist, as a patient. You are a patient. And it's your job to go along with the techniques that the professional, turn yourself over to the professional. I feel I'm very self-aware. Oh, hang on a second. Uh, let's see. I, I know more than I, I start to feel like I know more than them, and oftentimes the work we do and talk about things I've already identified in myself. I feel I'm very aware and just lack motivation to make changes I need, which already tells you that things are not right. Uh, can therapy just not be for some people? Yes, some people are not good candidates for therapy. There is such a thing. Now that doesn't sound like you, my friend. So you sound like you would be a candidate for therapy, but what I want you to do is read about resistance. Resistance. You are resistant in a in a way that you don't realize. You're using your training as a way of rationalizing, which is not what therapy is. As you know, it should be connected experience, and you don't sound super connected. And you got to get that connection going with your primary feeling state so you can be more effective to your patients. Let's see, he says, I've seen so many. I've I've seen so many and never felt that breakthrough moment or motivation continue. Yeah, that the lack of motivation is part of the resistance, right? Right when you, you know, the people that have a lot of resistance, right when you're about to break through, that's exactly when you decide to leave. So there you go. So uh, good for you, my friend, for becoming a social worker. But if you're going to help people in in a therapeutic setting, you've got to clear up your own stuff. And if you, or, and, and by the way, it sounds like that's not the right therapist for you. You have to find somebody that you trust and feel open with and who's really attuned to you. You need the kind of thing I was talking about with our anxious caller a minute ago, which is this sort of emotionally attuned psychotherapeutics. Wife and I have been together Real for- Real quick, what makes someone not a good candidate for therapy? Um, personality disorders of certain types. Oh, okay. They don't really change and they stay in these these very rigid structures. Um schizophrenics don't really respond to therapy, but they do respond to cognitive behavioral therapies. You can help them identify their delusions and things like that. But in terms of, you know, sort of traditional psychotherapy, the person's got to have insight, be motivated, and the defense structures need to be reasonably um, workable. Now, what happens in my world is, you know, people theorize that uh, things like things like narcissistic personality disorder are not treatable. I see people get better in recovery. Now, we don't know what can't be really carefully too easily teased out is whether the narcissistic functioning is part of the addiction and that just goes away when you get the addiction handled or is this person truly a narcissist? I think it's both. And narcissists are not so supposed to be treatable, but when their life depends upon it, as it often does in addiction they become motivated. So if it's a life or death thing, you see, I have seen certain certain personality styles. Now, obviously, it's not malignant, severe, you know, overblown stuff because they'll always turn that on everybody else, those, those kinds of personality disorders. Borderline disorders, also not thought to be treatable, but they do respond to something called dialectical behavioral therapy. So the borderline stuff doesn't go away, but it becomes less symptomatic, less stuff associated. So it depends what you're doing, you know. And and if you are having, you know, OCD like severe OCD, exposure therapy works for that. And not everybody is willing to do it. They kind of run away from it sometimes. So 
again, who's, you know, who's a good candidate, who isn't. It, it's, it's kind of the case that anyone that will do the work will benefit. It's gotcha. just getting people to really do it. And this guy's a great example. I mean, he's sort of, look what he says. He goes, uh, my ego, he calls it, tells me that I know more than them. So what? No, knowing things is not about doing therapy, okay? Uh, the work we do and talk about things I've already identified in myself, either A, that's bullshit, or B, bad therapist, so get somebody new, fine. Uh, let's see. I feel I'm very self-aware. Sorry, buddy, that is not the case. Uh, you, 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 are, you are a rationalizer. You rationalize everything. And that is, and you are disconnected from your primary affects, which is where your stuff lies, where your problems lie. And uh, uh, can therapy not be for some people, blah, blah, blah. Uh, okay, anyway. Follow-up question. Yeah. Uh, how do you know if your therapist is the right therapist for you? Because it seems like, you know, you might have to go through a few of them to find the right fit. And like maybe one type of person doesn't work for you when it might work for another person. Yes, that's absolutely true. So what's your question exactly? How do you know if you have, if you're onto like the right So it, it's hard. Um, I'm a big fan of taking referrals from professionals, mental health professionals that you know to be good and effective. That They, they tend to congregate together. You know what I mean? They, pe- good, good people tend to identify and see good people, particularly with therapeutic therapists. Uh, it's, it ain't as easy. The one, the one sort of caveat I get, give people is y- you, may, you may feel good sometimes, but generally speaking, you should not like it. You should not like it. It should be challenging. It should be uncomfortable. You should be spinning out afterwards a little bit as you process stuff. And, uh, and these days, the other thing, I mean, trauma is so much a part of everything for everybody that you really need to look for people, therapists, that have trauma training, EMDR, that kind of thing. And the further up the food chain you get, the more likely you are to, you know, there's a reason that we have higher levels of training. It's uh, A, be able to deal with more difficult things, but also to protect the public. So PhD, MD, and I will tell you, LCSWs, in my experience, tend to make excellent therapists. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know what it is about that training, or I think it's more about the kind of people that go into that kind of um, training for therapy. They they tend to be very empathic, very good and sort of emotionally focused type stuff. Does it matter if you don't share the same maybe like life perspective or values with your therapist? For for example, like mine's pretty good, but one time she recommended that I watch Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop, and now I don't know if I can trust anything she says anymore. Like, does so, any of that matter? Well, did you try watching it? So. <laughs> I, I I tried watching it before she recommended it. So so uh, that, that I call that an opportunity. So it, so what will tell you whether this is going to work or not? This relationship is you have to you have to go do it, watch a little bit of it, and then bring back to the room how much you hated it or whatever you're experiencing. You, okay. you that that's I the, can do that. Yeah, <laughs> that is the challenge of therapy: is being completely open and bringing all of it back in. And if you don't, if she or he says something you don't like, bringing that in, letting it all hang out. I mean, everything you're ashamed of and guilty about, that needs to come out in the room. I'm and, bad at that. Yeah. So, yeah. And so you, the more you do, the more open you are, the more you're able to do it. And, you know, people kind of have this weird thing where they need to be liked by their therapist and need to be seen as, you know, a good person. And you may have things you did that you're not too happy about. Trust me, they've heard it all. I was kind of like that too. Like uh, I remember when I was uh, 
because I had always dealt with some sort of anxiety, like just at a normal base level. And I was like, oh, I should really talk to someone about this because like I'd find myself just kind of pacing in my apartment, just repeating conversations and stuff. And it would take me like somewhere between 10 and 20, 30 minutes to realize that I was doing it. Uh-oh. And so I'd be like, oh, I need to take care of this. And the first therapist that I had encountered was just someone that was just kind of like, oh, that's crazy. That's like, I feel like they were kind of early in their career and weren't great at it. And in my mind, There's, I was like, therapy are... sucks. I'm never doing this again. Well, but then eventually I found the right one. I was like, this is the best decision I've ever made. Right. In my the life. one that lets you keep smoking tons, tons of weed. That's, that's the one you're going to stay with. Yeah. In some way, you kind of. That's not want... an issue, Drew. Why, see, why are you bringing. See? Just saying. What's well, that, Chad? Yeah, you do what want the someone. Fuck is... <laughs> I'm just saying, if you have anxiety and your therapist doesn't address substances you're taking, alcohol, whatever, any, whatever substances, the, one of the key sort of f- uh, fuel behind anxiety is substances of all types. And if, they're, if you're there to get anxiety treated and they don't bring that up, I got questions. That's all I'm saying. No, you, yeah, you, totally, can, you can choose not to follow what they tell you. But that it I didn't, followed everything that they told me. I know, but the fact that it didn't come up. Is I think what it did. I, like, I talked about you know, that I smoke a lot of weed. I'm like, is that an issue? He goes, does it stress you out or does it help you like dealing with stress? Like, oh, no. He doesn't, he doesn't really understand. what. The, right. this yeah, is not sure, an just MD. the best decision I ever made this in my life. Drew MD. says it's a piece of shit. That's fine. No, I'm not saying that. He might be a good therapist. But, he, but this is always the problem is the medical stuff doesn't get addressed. I mean, it happened to my own family members. Uh, you know, my, but now I'm stressed less. My, like I'm not my, as right, I can, my daughter's talking about her stuff very publicly, so I can talk about it. She's 18 months sober now, and she had hyperemesis, and she had you know like mania and all kinds of shit, and no one ever addressed the cause for six months until she bottomed out, and then now she's completely normal off all meds, no more vomiting, everything. And it's like, that makes me angry when doctors don't... <laughs> Don't continue to think about what's going on. Don't think more more carefully. Anyway, let's go to some calls, shall we? Let's do it. Uh, ooh, this is interesting. Uh, Christiana. Christiana, South Hi, Carolina. how hey, are you? We're good. How are you? I'm doing good. Okay. What brings you to us? Um, so pretty much... Oh, I'm sorry. Um, so I was calling in today because I was diagnosed about... I don't know, three or four years ago with um, POT, postural orthostatic tachycardic syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm calling from Charleston, South Carolina today. And truthfully, there's not a lot of doctors around here who mm. know much about it. Um, really give me any tips besides, you know, just drink lots of water and rest yeah. and don't do anything crazy. So I was really wondering if you had any insight on POTS. And I know that um, brain fog, I've been doing a lot of research on it and I struggle with it. And if you had any tips, on that as well due to the pot. Well, the pots was something, God, I don't I don't think I'd seen in a young adult maybe ever. I'd seen it in older folks. I'd seen it part of as part of Parkinsonian syndromes and things like that. I didn't see it in young people until COVID and COVID vaccine. Both seem to be able oh, well. to cause this. Now did you have COVID way back? Um, actually, I did have it at one point. Um, it was mm-hmm. January before COVID was like really known. I went to the doctor and was like, oh, well, you just have some weird virus. And then mm-hmm. months later, it was like, oh, shit. Well, okay, I think I had yeah. COVID. Um, I did get the vaccine. Um, but my doctors and what I had seen, so I played softball my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and my doctor said that they had related it to young female athletes, um, specifically with mitral, um, mitral um, prolapse. Concuss- with what? Uh, yes. With and I yeah. had six concussions. I was a catcher at one point. And okay. obviously softball stopped after that. 
Um, but that was all that I had been really told and, you know, just trying to figure it out as I all went right. along. So, so I, I don't know if your thing, if POTS exist outside of COVID for sure, but it's pretty rare and mm-hmm. b- b- POTS and, yeah. co- and brain fog are very common with long COVID. And I've seen it, like I said, I've seen it both from the vaccine and from COVID and from COVID with the vaccine. So we're, no mm-hmm. one has sorted these things out yet, which is kind of challenging. But uh, yeah. I will tell you for me, because I had long COVID too, as far as the brain fog goes, mm-hmm. I started working on languages. I just started daily practice of like two hours of YouTubes and, you know, anything I could find to help me with language. And it really helped the fog. It really did. Oh, okay. uh, you, you've been with this a long time, and it could be a post-concussive thing, so it may not be what I had, but it is something that I found helped me yeah. if this is a COVID-related phenomenon. As far as the POTS, there is, yeah. a, there is a medication that will keep the blood pressure up. Mm-hmm. Did they ever give you that? Um, yeah, so for a while I was taking Corlinor at the time when I was, originally diagnosed. So I'm 25 now. I think I was around 20 or 21 when I finally got an official diagnosis. Um, and I took that for a long time, but it was kind of new from Europe. So my insurance hmm. didn't want to cover it. Uh, thankfully, my dad is, is has a great job, so I'm still able to take it. And then they wanted to switch me to another one. And I'm, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of it. I, I'm sure it's... And uh, honestly, I, I, I'm looking up the, 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 the trade name of the one that we typically use and make sure it's not the one that you've already had. It's called Midadrine. You've heard of that? Mid- uh, Midadrine. I haven't, no. So that's the one we normally Midadrine. prescribe for stuff like this. And it, it does kind of work. It does kind of work. So you, you have you seen a cardiologist mm-hmm. about this to make sure it's not anything other intrinsic cardiac stuff? Um, yeah, so I had two cardiologists and Good. they actually attempted to um, do an ablation on me. Uh, and then they went in and my doctor uh, didn't see anything and wow. literally went to my father after like, oh, well, she was on the table for an hour. Like, I know she's not making it up now. And I'm like, why would I ever make this up? No, but, no, you're not making um, it up. After oh. me. Um, you guys, yeah. ablation. So, we're we're seeing. I'm not getting much help here. I, well, I, I'm seeing so much ablative therapy in young males, particularly. Sound familiar, gentlemen? There's people in this mm-hmm. building that have had to do this stuff, and I mean, I used to never see that in young people, or almost never. And uh, so again, I'm blaming COVID, yeah. and maybe the vaccine also, or whatever. But it's it is becoming weirdly common. But I would go back to the cardiologist and ask about the midadrine, and then then I want you to do one more thing. Okay. Um, there's a group called okay. COVIDLongHaulers.com, and uh, Dr. Yogendra there is uh, really trying to struggle with these kinds of syndromes. They're really doing a lot of good work. Uh, Dr. Patterson and Dr. Yogendra okay. at COVIDLongHaulers.com. See if you just kind of fish around there and okay. see if there's anything for you there, okay? Yeah, no, I definitely will. Thank All you right. so much for your you help. I, I'm a big – I'm oh. watching your podcast right now. So. Oh, which one? What are we doing there? Yeah. Um, it's you and Christina, and, and you're oh. just uh, talking um, – it was one of the most recent ones that you yep. had with her. So yep. thank you so much. Thank All right. Yeah, keep my eye tight, mommy. There, there's a mommy. That's a mommy. Nailed it. Yeah. Uh, Layla, what's going on there? Yes. Hi, Dr. Drew. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? Um. So I'm 22 years old, and I have struggled with trichotillomania for about uh, 11 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been in therapy for right around the same amount of time. 
time. Started with cognitive behavioral, um, and then over the past three years, I've been in uh, DBT therapy, which has been very helpful in terms of other things. But in terms of my trichotillomania, that has just continuously gotten worse as I've gotten older. And I was just wondering, um, since this is an OCD under like the OCD spectrum, mm-hmm. is this something that, you know, can really be treated with, um, you know, different medications that are tried out yep. or yep. Um, is this something that I'm going to have to accept and stuff? Well, really interesting and challenging probably. I'm just curious, a couple questions. What were the other symptoms that the DBT helped with? Um, I have, I'm a diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. Got I've it. struggled with some depression. Okay. some social stuff um but it helps me you know get me more into a mindful state and be more you know overall happiness is Good. better but in terms of the hair i'm i'm i've got no hair on my head practically no i understand i understand how miserable it can be uh and again in terms of the dbt is it helping interpersonal functioning like relationships that kind of thing absolutely yeah, yeah. like that's where i see a lot of a lot of the benefit and like i've yeah so that, I mean, for me, I recommend it to like anyone really for like any type of, it, it's such a difference in like how it's transformed me as a person as Give, I've grown you know, up and I'm still young. And Layla, if you wouldn't um, mind, just so people understand what it's like to be in that kind of therapy, what, how would you describe the, what you're working on with the experiences? And I'm assuming you were in one-on-one DBT, not group DBT, right? Well, I did both. Um, so I, since I've been in it for so long, I don't need to necessarily do the group. But when you start, I was in a group setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't like group therapy where we all like set our problems and cried together. It was almost like a class. And it was led by, um, you know, psychiatrists and the DBT trained counselors. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just more informative in a, like a text. But, but explain to people, explain to people what, the, explain what, what, what it's like. So because people hear these terms, and they sometimes don't really know what, what it means, what, what it's like to be in these, in these treatments. Yeah, I'm, I'll try my, uh, yeah. as best as I could. Okay. But um, for me, I mean, I was definitely listening to it at first. I was like, oh, group, like that's, I don't want to yeah. be around a bunch of other people that are fucked up as I am. Like, it was just, it was weird, but. Um, I think you ha- being open to it and just accepting that this is knowledge that it's, it's not really taught. You're being taught things about your feelings, about how you react, that are things that you're never taught as a child or, or growing up. Um, maybe if you're therapist parents. But would it would it point, be would it um, would it be sort of um, appropriate to say that it's it's learning to be aware of other people's feelings and the contents of their mind and then how you react to it? Is that a good summary? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and and also just kind of retraining your brain in a way, mm-hmm. um, not in like a crazy hippie like being all you know, but um, more in a way where it's it's taking a step back and and being present and being able to um, differentiate between your emotional mindset and your um, like your mindful mindset and your what they call it wise mind. That that's your a real that's a great way of describing mind. it. That's a great way of describing it, and, and also. Sort of um, in, when in escalated states, people tend to lose track of the contents of other people's emotions and mind, and it's sort of keeping you from rea- mm-hmm. you know from doing that kind of stuff. All right, so now the trichotillomania. So yes, it does respond to medication, but not very reliably, and the medicine has to be mm-hmm. very high dose, like like sixty milligrams of Prozac a day, that kind of thing. Typically, now well, you. I, I am on. Uh... I am on uh, SSRIs. I've been taking them as, uh, for about 10 years, and I mean, it's not shown any 
type of uh, benefit improvement on yeah. that side either. Yeah. And I like the Mac stuff too. Nothing. Yeah, and uh, there are trichotillomania patient support societies out there. Have you taken advantage of anything like that? Oh yeah, Doctor Drew. Anything you could think of that's out there on the internet yeah. or research or or help. Like I've tried it. I went to individualized therapists. I've done yeah. hypnotherapy. I've done group that. Literally anything, like, at this point, like, I feel like I'm a pro at this, <laughs> at, at, at this disorder. It's yeah. just I can't, I'm not kind of bringing for it. I'm not sure if I should treat it as almost like an addiction and I'm like, I just need to quit and stop. Or is it more of like a disorder and it's something I need to, to live with and, you know, kind of what I'm doing now. Like, I, yeah. I manage it. I, I do what I need to do to get through the day and and you know feel comfortable in my own different different right different patients deal with it differently some do it deal with it like an addiction and cold turkey and find ways to manage others learn to live with it now have you have you checked out the international obsessive compulsive disorder federation iocdf.org i have yes because of you actually all right good so because they're that's a very rich sort of patient-centered landscape and they have they have a trichotillomania section there so all right so you've done it all and let me just tell you a little dirty little secret you ready Mm -hmm. okay i don't want to say most but many patients uh accept sort of a chronic low-grade state and learn to live with that it's very common Mm -hmm. where they just go screw this i've tried i've done everything i can do Clearly nothing's going to work. I can live with this. And they find ways to accommodate it, provided they're not hurting themselves. Yeah. Okay. And so it sounds like you're kind of in that zone, right? Mm-hmm. I, I would, before I would do anything like that, though, I would go find a support group, you know, other people with, with this condition and really, really make sure that's where you want to go. I, I always feel... I don't know. I always feel like we should be able to help patients, and, the, and that when you have to settle for something that's bothering you, I don't like that. But but it is what happens a lot yeah. of a lot of the time. People wear wigs, they wear hats, they figure it out, they deal with whatever. Yeah. They, they work with a cosmetologist. I mean, I yeah, work with a cosmetologist, kind of get it right, and then there it is. That's you. Uh, and guess what? People thrive. You know, you had DBT, or you know, you're doing fine. But it it certainly, I'm sure you see. You can under, I, I can understand how it's disturbing. Yeah. yeah, and it's costly too. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I thank you so much, Doctor Drew. Okay, it's been very helpful. Good. And you know, hopefully, hopefully, I'll say fuck it and just stop. Well, that would be awesome. Uh, and again, it's it's like every like you said, like an addiction, you have to hit some kind of weird bottom, or you have to have fun, you know really tough change. You know, when you have a biology that's going one direction, whether it's nicotine addiction or heroin addiction or ticotillomania, and you want to try to change that, it requires a, a really a moment of change. And uh, in my experience, one of the ways to get at those moments of change is to hang around people that are a little different than you would normally hang with to try to see yourself through a new pair of glasses, so to speak. That's sometimes sometimes a kind of easy thing you can do. So um, let's go to videos. I'm sort of in the answering question mode. So let's get that uh, medical video in here, if you don't mind. Drew, while we wait, um, I kind of want to go back to something you were saying to Nadav earlier when he was talking about smoking weed. And mm. um, in terms of like... Yeah, a th- Chad, what a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because like... In some ways, you want your a therapist to challenge you. Yeah, right. Uh, not in some ways. In all always. Ways. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So yeah, how do you avoid getting comfortable with someone just reinforcing your bad behavior versus that's, like embracing? That, that's change? my point. It should be really uncomfortable. Now there is a there is an intermediate zone here, which is getting people to be ready to change, right? So there there is one excuse for your therapist being the way he or she is, which is I'm I'm trying to increase his level of self awareness to where he gets motivated and looks at some of these other things that he seems unable to look at right now. That's a reasonable position to take. You got to meet people where they are. Uh, but to what I, what I what really bothers me, Chad, is when people the the professionals don't bring it up with clarity. Like like they need to bring it up and go, hey, you're here for anxiety. That is making more anxiety. I'll work with you, but that is gonna it's gonna be really difficult to get this under control with that going on. Yeah. I so. recently ran into an old friend who was telling me they got into therapy, and it it sounded like she had just been like, uh, kind of just being reinforced in her assumptions yeah. that she was Look, a victim of stuff, but really she just oh. kind of sucks sometimes. <laughs> so I think it's in some ways bad for people to be reinforced oh, that way. Listen, so she probably, th that that kind of person usually tells you how much they love their therapist, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not good. You should not love your therapist. Your therapist should be, oh, she's going to challenge me. She's going to see through me. She's going to, it should be, it should have a certain amount of, uh, for I dread me. seeing mine. Dread, anxiety, that kind of stuff. Yes, that's that's good. Just keep going. That's when you want to keep going when you don't want to go. The, if you're going to therapist and I have, she makes me feel great. Why are you going? Go to the gym instead. You feel great from that too. But what if you feel good about making progress where you're like, oh, I was given tools today on dealing with the things that I have trouble with. I, I told you, I, I said that's a viable thing. Okay. I, 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 meet, I have no problem what I what I'm taking issue with is them not being clear and bringing up like hmm if you really want to deal with your anxiety we're gonna to have to deal with that in the meantime I'll work with you that that is fine with me I have no problem with that but I I have seen so much where they don't do that and look this I'm a big fan of uh, really deeper kinds of experiences in the therapeutic setting and that requires that the therapist clear their shit up and that they study a lot of different kinds of techniques and work for years developing them. So it, it's not that, that's why you, the, the letters after the name start to be ways you can kind of um, reduce the risk of having somebody that's not, not challenging and not going to really help you out. But even then, even then, there's plenty of, plenty of problems. You mean like MD or? MD, PhD, PsyD, LCSW. Those are the letters that you want to look for. And, uh, and I, like I said, I like LCSWs. I like PsyDs. I've hired a bunch of them. My own therapist was an LCSW. I've been very impressed with what their training has been. And so it doesn't have to be an MD. In fact, MDs often are not good. How about but, LMFTs? Mm, LCSW. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a no. LMFT can. I have I have one uh, one colleague of mine who's an LMFT who became also a psychoanalyst, and she was exceptionally good. So it's possible, but they have to really they have to work at their stuff. So, all right, this is an interesting question. Watch this, guys. Have you seen this lady? Watch this. Her neck spasming. The muscles are spasming. She was struck by lightning and have had these intense episodes ever since. Holy shit. Yeah, look at it. Where the neck, she has this sort of, yeah, no, poor thing. Yeah. Yeah, they started with my eye. Now they moved to my face and neck. Yeah. It's crazy. 
and you probably, she probably tears muscles when she gets into these things. Explaining exactly <laughs> what happened is probably not I don't possible. Know what's going on? What's going on? Don't don't freak out! Don't freak out! Don't freak <laughs> out! Don't freak out! And then she has to relax. Can she get through it? Oh my god! Yeah, and that's something. And, and so it's from a lightning strike. Uh, it could, essentially is probably sort of a seizure-like phenomenon. I bet anti-seizure medication would work for that. It's not technically a seizure, but it has it's that kind of phenomenology associated with it. It's like a muscle cramp. Is it? More it's like a muscle cramp, but it's a cramp that's kind of generalized. And I, I have treated patients with head, neck, uh, and shoulder muscle cramps. It's not unheard of. But I will tell you what we sometimes do with that kind of stuff is you use Botox in the muscles here to kind of prevent those extreme. Uh, spasms from coming on, and that's because Botox kind of deadens nerves. It it um, yeah, it, it relaxes muscles it, for a while, and, and so if you can sort of break, she's in some sort of a cycle where this is sort of a behavior almost that's you know kindled. There's a phenomenon in neurology and in psychiatry called kindling, which is like you have these you know small. Let's say you're a you have mild bipolar disorder or something. You have cyclothymia and you have these little episodes that sort of flare up and go back down again of mania. Not even mania, depression, let's say. And if something takes that little kindling, that little fire and turns it into a forest fire, then then it's on. Then you get full-blown kinds of symptoms. So it's something like that going on there. So I see a bunch of uh, interesting sorts of videos up here. I want to kind of save some of them because I'm totally fascinated. So that means we'll start with some TikToks. Man, oh that my workout God, there really is. tired me out. I've been running all day. Oh boy, I need to. I mean, I haven't done any real cardio running, but I need to get started again. We're here for you, David Gold. Is that his name, David Gold? Yeah. Can, is there a way I can zero in on what's behind him there? Is that a dry erase board or something? Uh, it's look like a bookshelf. The bookshelf for I, sure. I, I, I see it's that a calendar. It's a calendar. Yeah, like a dry race calendar. But it's a huge calendar. I like mm -hmm. the way he's got all his, all his stuff Very on there. Very organized. Very efficient. And how many more videos yeah. do you have with this guy? I see oh, him every week. Oh, we got a lot. Can, <laughs> can you characterize him for me? I cannot figure him out. Uh, he likes to wrestle. Um, he's involved in politics. Those of you Congress people are out there trying to ban TikTok. Let me tell you something, brother. I'm coming looking for every one of you. You're going to get a David Ooh. Gold... Zodiac butt kicking, except for you, AOC, because I love you, baby. You're a cute little Latina, but ooh, I hope your husband don't get, your boyfriend don't get all jealous and stuff. <laughs> oh my God! That now he seems more cool. Now, now I get the coolness well, there. It seems like he was practicing like a like a pro wrestling. Yes, persona. yes, yeah. yes. I see that. I see that. And that's that's a cool move. Now, <laughs> I think I've seen this one before. Getting ready for that wrestling match. Oh, wrestling match. Oh, now it makes more sense. And I can love me better than you can. <laughs> oh God, I'd love to see. I would love to see all the comments. And Did stuff you hear Chad he, duetting? No, what he say? He I was, was just singing along. Oh, good, nice. Yeah, nice. Well, we'll do a side by side. Let's do a side by side with Chad and this guy singing. Sounds good. <laughs> Is there more? Better than you. Can. <laughs> I'd like to see some wrestling videos from him. I know. I, I want to. That's why I'm, I'm intrigued. I, I sort of, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I don't dislike a lot of people, right? You know what I mean? 
And from the beginning, I dislike, you know, I want to go visit people that are odd and interesting and cool. I had the opposite feeling about this guy. Like, I don't want anything to do with this guy. He's, he he's, does not look like no, some... Why is that? I'm better, though, now. I'm better. I, that, that last couple of videos sort of got me in a little bit with this guy because like, I want to know more now. I want to understand what this is all about. He's just a complicated man. Uh, I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, I kind of wonder who he's doing it for. It, like, who's, who's his audience? Did it start out like just family and friends were following him and he was just goofing around? Or was he is he trying to build an online thought? Like, what is his I, motivation? The, the way I'd characterize Chad is, what does he think he's doing? Right. What does he think he's doing? This is like weird. And does he? And if he thinks, he doesn't know he's weird. He doesn't know this is weird. He doesn't know it's odd. He doesn't know it's off-putting. He's doing something, and maybe it's just entertaining himself. He may just be a lonely guy. Do we know where he is? What part of country or anything? No? Not sure. Can Not you give sure. me one more video? Not one I've seen. Is there anything new t- teed up? Because now I'm intrigued. Oh, oh, man, is there a lot of stuff. How do you guys select? <laughs> a couple of my uh, subscribers gave me a pretty good hormone pump, and uh, I did shoulders, buys, and tries and back. It was a good workout. Getting ready for that wrestling match Saturday. What now? Where can Smasher we? Smash Moreno. Here I come. Oh, dude, where can we get that? We we need to find the, the <laughs> we need to find that video. Don't you think? No, too much. I don't know if that one's out yet. Oh my this god! Is the most recent release. If we could just get a, a wrestling video, it'd be fantastic. Now the fact that he says buys and tries and all that stuff—that's old. That's old-fashioned gym talk. Like this guy's been hanging out in the gym. Look, he's got a—is that a world gym thing right under that? Uh, oh no, it's feed the. What is that? Hello. Looks like yeah. the Friday's coming up, so I might have a day off. I might be able to uh, take that walk up the ranch and take a look at that truck that quit on me up there the starter went out get it david <laughs> thanks for all the info i needed to hear all this my ranch i'll take a different my ranch something, my maybe. ranch and uh i hope y'all will enjoy it so so two things occur to me from this video a is he in on the joke mm, i don't think so i don't either and then the second i i have this feeling that this guy was probably a roided out dude when he was younger like he probably took a bunch of roids, and, and I mean he looks great. He's not bad for, but he's a little, little too, he's a little too involved. All right, let's talk to a cool Australian guy. Why would you teach your kids to go to school, work forty hours a week for eighty years to pay off a mortgage for a girl that, that is just going to leave them and take their kids anyway? That's retarded. I'd rather my kids smoke dope, have fun, go fishing. Fuck heaps of miles in that. Like, that's ridiculous. Unbelievable. Entrepreneurial. And that school's not entrepreneurial. It's fucking... It teaches them to be sheep, right? They should be out... Imagination. And then they probably wouldn't ever work a day in their life. They'd figure out how to get what they want. Pussy. Oh. Catch you later. <laughs> I like gal fishing. Uh, that is a cool dude. Got a TikTok eye. I don't know if you noticed that. He's got to say he's, he's fully talked. Is he? Uh, maybe not fully talked, but he he he's is talked. He's where he belongs on TikTok. He is definitely a cool guy on TikTok. And is there? Um, have you guys found a thread with him at all? Or is this just one outburst? This is the one we got, but I'm sure there's a lot more where this came oh from. Oh my god, you guys are so funny! You become expert in following these guys. All right, and then I see now this. I have, before you show me the video, explain to me the title. Uh, so Blind Bob, who you've been introduced to 
uh, is commonly referred to as shit eyes in uh, uh, the online community. Oh, apparently. I did not know that. So, okay. So yeah. hold on. Now, Bob, shit eyes, yeah. does Bob have a last name? Uh, he does. I don't think we've wanted to okay. fully So shit eyes Bob, yeah. uh, I've noticed, is entering the Hall of Fame. There's a picture of him out there. Yeah. Is he on his way onto the wall? Well, it's not every day you find a video this magnificent. So when come, these come along, you know, we got to give him the proper uh, tribute that he deserves. He's in being inducted. Is he being inducted? Yeah. We, we need to have like a ceremony every time somebody gets inducted. I think it's hysterical. But I saw it. I saw it. I'm like, oh, there's mm-hmm. Shit-Eye Bob. I didn't call him Shit-Eye yet. Now from now on, I will. And uh, I, he deserves to be there. I agree. He's yeah, the yeah. he's the coolest of cool. And he uh, keeps on giving, man. The guy does not let up. So what's he got for us today? Hi, this is Bob. Um, I'm doing a uh, video from my cam, my webcam. Um, appreciate you getting back with me the other night. You... Um, you're one of the few that that have, and I I would appreciate your understanding and cooperation. Um, please do share whenever you got to take a shit. Um, I like every shit is different. Um, I like hearing loose ones, solid ones, wow. whatever, gassy ones, so farts. Interesting. Um, Humans. I don't want you to do the laxative thing anymore. Obviously, I mean that's brutal. <laughs> what you put yourself through, and of course, the throwing up part wasn't particularly my forte. I, I don't like hearing people throw up. Oh, he doesn't like vomit. Ah. As far as I'm taking a we shit. We can find a vomit guy, I'm sure. Know, I just, I really like poop humor. And um, that's two things I like on here. The shit, the shit videos and the aviation. Um, oh, shitting in the, the plane. aviation videos. Shitting in the plane. The noise in the background there. And the aviation the videos. Because it's doing my weather thing. It uploads from my weather station. Every five minutes, the current conditions. By the way, uh, hope you can check out my website at www.southgate-mi-weather.com. That's S-O-U-T-H-G-A-T-E-M-I-weather.com. And let me know what you think. Also, uh, like I say, keep the fan off whenever you do record. Of course, um, you know, of course. I wouldn't want to. Yes, uh, thank you. Was, you thank know, you, I just enjoyed hearing you go to the bathroom and stuff. And maybe like... Whenever you go, you can just describe to me what it looks like in the toilet after you're done. I mean, of course. that's not really a bad thing. And I don't mean it to be gross, but well, you got to look at your shit from time to time anyway, because you know you want to make sure you're not bleeding and whatever. Um, I was just kind of curious to know, even though I don't like hearing anyone throw up, it's a wonder you even had any thing in you to shit out because <laughs> you threw up so much. Um, and I think you said at one oh, point Bob. in that video you, you ate some White Castle hamburgers. Oh. I don't know how many you ate, and you said you ate some kind of big sub or whatever. Did you do the laxative thing because you were constipated or something and couldn't go? You said you ate a lot. Oh, my God. And I'm just curious to know what you I'm look just like. Curious. Just curious. Just fine. Just fine. Just fine. I stand somewhere around five foot seven, five six three quarters, weigh 172 pounds. So uh, anyway, I hope you get back to me. I... I found that interesting that you're in New York City. I'd like to go there someday and be able to ride the subways and Shit. see some of the sights and things. Shit I, in the bathrooms. Um, I know it's a good place for a blind person. Yeah. Okay, I hope to hear from you sometime soon and appreciate you uh, trying to be understanding okay, and enough, enough, be enough. a friend. Like I say, I yeah. like this uh, just for the fun of it. Just fun, appreciate just you fine. sharing whenever you got to take a shit and <laughs> somehow uploading it to my channel. Okay. Uh, Bye for now. This is Bob. Sign- Okay, Bob. That, that channel must be quite a place. Um, uh, is is he? Do, does he ever have relationships? Is he straight or gay? Do we even know? 
We don't know. Don't know. That's something to be solved. And the last, the wrestler's name, what was his name again? Don or something? What was his? Bob. Bob. The wrestler guy was Bob too? Oh, that's David Gold. David, David Gold. Um, you know, I, I am as compassionate towards shit eyes Bob as I am repelled by gold. You know what I mean? Like this guy, um, uh, shit eyed Bob draws me in. I, I want to, I, I kind of, I like him. And uh, he deserves to be in the uh, in the lexicon, but my question is: uh, Is the shit eye part a comment about what his eyes look like, or is it just his whole shitting it's lexicon? The whole thing to play on words, really. Play on words. Yeah, he likes shit. He has. He doesn't have eyes. You know, it's right. Because I started thinking we might have to call Potter shit eyes Potter because they got mm. a similar thing in that one <laughs> eye. They got that uh, leukoplakia. Maybe or that uh, aphakia. What is it? Come eyes. Come eyes. God damn it. You guys just ruined Zolo. You guys just... He got here like this, Drew. No. He was ruined no. on arrival. No. Yeah. He had, he had the potential. He <laughs> no. He's been like, like this the whole time. In fact, he's calmed down a little bit, probably. Well, I, that I cannot even fathom. But my other question um, is RP... It reminds me... It makes me think about other people that I've been... You know, we're intrigued by. Any, any word from RPC these days? How's he doing? Uh, we haven't talked to him, but he's still been posting a lot on Instagram. Uh, real Same cool, stuff? Yeah, cool stuff. Oh, uh, let's bring, bring him back one of these days soon for me. Oh, uh, we will, we will. Some, some cool RPC would be nice. And then the, my last question is, the, as it pertains to RPC and, and some of these other guys like, um, what's III's name? Uh, Unkshine. What is it? Unkshine. Unk, Unk, Unkshine. There, there are... There are cool guys in our world that know we talk about them and sort of lean into it with us. Uh, is Bob know we're talking about him? Has he figured that out yet? Has anybody told him? We believe he's passed away. What? Yeah. From what? I was told cancer. We're trying to get to the bottom of it, but yeah. All right. Well, so much for that question. Yeah. All right. I will wrap up. Thank you, Boot Boys, for uh, joining me today. Thank you all for being here. We appreciate it so much. Uh, support the people who support us. We keep doing this thing. We appreciate you. And keep the emails coming. Keep the, you know, we do the live calls. We'll put a shout out. Uh, the Booth the booth Boys seem to have uh, sort of cracked the code on how to get you guys to call. <laughs> they just tell people to F and call. And they do. And we appreciate it. We'll see you next time. All conversations and information exchanged during participation of the Dr. Drew After Dark podcast or interaction on the drdrew.com website is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or physician medical advice or direction per se. You must always follow your medical professional's advice and direction. Nothing on these podcasts or posted on this site supplements or supersedes the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Please understand, I am not playing the role of physician in this environment per se. I'm educating. I am a licensed physician with specialty boards in American Board of Internal Medicine and American Board of Addiction Medicine.